The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide uh, with uh, everyone's favourite, highly acclaimed local author, Howard Linsky. Hello, Howard. Yeah, good. Everyone's favourite. I like that. That's the, you've well, added that since the last... Well, you said I've got to keep adding something to it, so it's going to get good. longer. Excellent. Some of those party <laughs> games. <laughs> well, what, I can only be in awe about what you're going to say to uh, if you add something every time. We'll be here all day just getting the announcements out of the way. In a year's time, <laughs> it will yeah. be, here's, here's everyone's favourite author, Angela Clark. <laughs> She's my favourite too. <laughs> you're just, you're <laughs> just keeping a seat warm. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Anyway, hello Angela if you're listening. Her books are good too. They're, they're almost as good as Howard Linsky's. Oh, better than mine. That are all, yeah. that are all over the place. You've written more of them, haven't you? I have, yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. Prolific, I suppose, at least, yes. Yeah. Um, and you've yeah. got one imminent, haven't you? You've got well, one September. bubbling away. Yeah. Well, it's not far away So now. imminent in the sense that I've finished the blooming thing at last. Right. And uh, it's been signed off at Penguin, so that's good. So they'll be bringing that out oh, in September. Oh, it's with a little publisher again, is it? A little publisher called Penguin Random House. You, you won't have heard of them. No. But, uh, yeah, yeah, be out in September. Okay. Do, they have anybody, do they know anybody who uh, like knows a lot about movies? Because, you know, not just asking yeah, for a friend. Yeah, yeah. You, what are you saying? I'm just, I'm on my way out. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to run out of nice things to say soon, so... So it could bring it could bring the relationship bring to close. Blood, yeah. yeah, I'll have a word. I'll ask no, them. no. We're delighted that you're here. Thank you for Thank coming you, and doing this every month. Uh, what we do is we look at uh, Howard's choice of the best films to watch on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. Uh, we will also look at a movie that Howard has deemed too good to be forgotten. He's picked some corkers over the last few months. Let's see if he does that again this time round. I'm sure he does. And then we'll also look at new releases on the streaming services, new releases of original movies on the streaming services. Uh, And uh, we start things off, though, with a look at the cinema. And there's one movie that we're looking at this week, and it's called Men. Yes, oddly titled Men. Um, And, yeah, it's a single release of this week. I think currently the cinema is a little bit dominated by the Top Gun sequel, so that might explain why people don't want to go head-to-head. This is described as a folk horror film. And it's written and directed by Alex Garland, who, um, you know, is pretty pretty damn good. He did Ex Machina for, for one and has been around for quite a while as a scriptwriter and is now known as a scriptwriter and director. Um, the film has got Jessie Buckley, who is pretty much always excellent. Oh, she's good. I saw, her, I saw her in um, Fargo and she was really, really good in that and, and quite... Um, there was something quite sort of kooky and a bit scary about her portrayal in that. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I have seen her in a number of things. Um, and most recently, I finally got around to watching Taboo when she was in that, and she was very good in it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, she's one of those people that once you've seen her in two or three things, you're like, oh yeah, her, yeah, she's really good. And um, I think she'll be excellent in this. She was nominated um, for an Oscar this year, so she well, can't be she too must, shabby. You say she mustn't be too bad at all. No. Yeah, there you go. She's doing well. Um, She plays a young woman who goes on a holiday on her own in the English countryside after the tragic death of her husband. And um, she retreats to an area that's a bit isolated, looking to heal. But when she gets there, she starts to think that someone is stalking her. She sees someone in the woods. And um, quirkily, although I've obviously not seen the movie yet because it's just out now, um, every man that she sees is played by Rory Kinnear. So they're all, they all look a bit, well, they all look alike because it's the same dude playing them. But uh, that is the twist. It's like, well, part of the twist is that she's either she's seeing things or something supernatural is going on. Or, and uh, yeah, it looks a, bit, uh, looks a bit scary. Now, I should point out that the reviews have been a bit mixed. Some people really like it and some don't. Um, here's a review from The Times, which I thought was particularly uh, notable. Here, the filmmakers are essentially having a punt. They gather a couple of malformed ideas, a few primal themes, and together with a plethora of artfully lit frames, splatter everything onto the screen, and fingers crossed, wait for some goatee stroking nitwit to call it a masterpiece. So I'm guessing they didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> I just thought that was worthy of a worthy of note because they really didn't like it. But then I have checked since and there are other reviews that did like it. So yeah. it's got a reasonably fifty fifty kind of audience. And some thing. of the greatest films of all time have not been liked by the critics. That's true. And sometimes they re explore it years later and go, Do you know what? I was wrong. Yeah. It's actually really good. So yeah, this one's worth a worth a shot, I think, for okay. the cast. Well, and for Alex Garland, who's, you know, good. And Rory Rory Kinnear as well. Um Hatfield's probably most famous son, I would say. Do you know what? I didn't realise he was a chap. 
from Hatfield. Yeah, there he's second go. only yeah. to Guy Ritchie, who's also from Hatfield. Goodness me. Yeah. Churning out the filmmakers. Aren't they just? <laughs> what two? <laughs> I've just looked them up. And oh, there's an actress who was in Green Wing, who's also from Hatfield. Oh, right. Pippa Haywood. Um, so, yeah. It, it, Yay, Hatfield. Yeah. Today. The, the, Shout I didn't out know for this. IMDb does a thing where you can do search for a birthplace. You can put in like Hatfield. Oh, okay. And it right. lists the people from there according to their star rating. So, Rory Canary's top of this. Right. And then Guy Ritchie's second. And then. Pippa Hayward, who's who's in Green Wing, is third. I bet Guy Ritchie is, as they say in modern day parlance, fuming over that one because yeah. <laughs> he isn't top. Yeah. <laughs> he married Madonna for God's sake. He's well, directed all his movies, and yet he's still not top in half. No, but uh, but yeah, Rory Kinnear, who, who I think is quite sort of chameleon-like, which I yes, guess is, is what you'd expect yeah. of an actor, really, when you think yeah, about it. He does. I mean, everything from sort of highbrow theatre to. Bit, you know the bit well not the bit part in Bond but a supporting mm. role in the Bond films yeah and, in but, but in that you know he plays <clears> a guy and he looks somewhat like a bit of a weak a weak chin civil servant but then the character you sort of realise as the films have gone on that there's a little bit more depth yeah. to that character and then in other things he could be quite menacing and, and yeah well I think they've certainly drawn on the menace I mean just from the clips that I've seen of this that and and he is very chameleon like in this because he's literally the man of several faces he's got to play different parts yeah. in it so. and he was Frankenstein's monster in Penny Dreadful if you ever oh. watched that I know of Penny Dreadful, right. but I haven't seen it. So. Yeah, they didn't call yeah. him that, but that's what he was. He yeah, was can you imagine essence. getting that call? <laughs> Danny, we'd like you to play the lead role in this. What is it? We want you to be the monster. Right. Yeah, Thanks but it, for that. it's yeah. if you then said, oh, how long will that take in makeup? And yeah. they go, no, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry about just, that. Just rock up just before we shout action. <laughs> that's, that's when it would be offensive. That's true. Yeah. That's if, when it gets a little said, bit To make um, someone upsetting. as beautiful as you look like a, cr- a creature. It's going to take be, ages. Yeah. If only we had the time and the budget, but we haven't. Yeah. So C- just CGI. Yeah. So. But anyway, I'm going to give that one a try, I think. Okay, so that's Men, yeah. which Men. is out in cinemas uh, on uh, Friday the 3rd of June. Uh, technically, the release date was the 1st of June. Oh, okay. Hitting most cinemas are just airing it for the first right. time on the third. So, so, so by the time I you hear this episode, indeed. it's probably already out. Indeed. Okay. Indeed. That is your new release for the week. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views, and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Time now to take a look at uh, new releases on the streaming services for this week. And uh, just one to talk about, and that's on Netflix. And it's The Interceptor. Indeed. Uh, I reckon I can describe this quite uh, succinctly as a bit of a Saturday night movie. It looks quite fun. Lots of action. Um, It's uh, classed as an American-Australian action drama film directed by a guy called Matthew Riley. Uh, It stars Elsa Pataki. I think it's Pataki or Pataki or whatever, but she's um, best known for the Fast and Furious franchise that I remember that you, well I've not seen but uh, well, you, you liked and then I'm, it went a bit downhill I I'm, think. I'm busy if, you, if yeah. you're inviting me over for a movie night oh really is it that bad <laughs> well no it's just Fast and Furious you already put me off <laughs> yeah well she looks like she knows what she's doing in this one she plays an army captain who is basically on a on a base and it's out at sea and it's one of those um well, one of those as if we know. It's a missile interceptor station, and she's on it, and, you know, all starts fairly straightforwardly. Um, she kind of arrives, uh, takes control, uh, people leave, and then they're attacked. And uh, the, the, the evil villain is, uh, as always, former CIA. Mm. Um, I guess that's Luke Bracey. Um, he's in the cast as the, the villain. And uh, he wants to take over the place to uh, effectively... Either launch nukes or not stop them, um, because obviously I haven't seen the film. It's brand new; it hasn't out yet. But from the trailer alone, you can see this. And um, she has to use her years of tactical training and military expertise. And it's one of those where he's like, "I need to come in there into that room that you've kind of locked the doors of." And uh, she's like, "Yeah, bring it on, yeah." And then action ensues. Yeah. So she's the one thing stopping. Kind of feels like I've seen it already. Yeah, yeah, Die Hard at Sea, probably, or something. She's even wearing a sweaty vest on the poster. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. although if you, I don't know if you've seen the artwork. A sweaty the, vest movie. You know. I don't know if you've seen the artwork for the poster or not, but it looks like she's a superhero flying through the air, and she's lifting this this station with one arm. 
Ah. I, I looked at it more closely, and it would seem that, in fact, she's probably hanging off of the station. Oh, oh yes, but, yes, But it does yes, have... Yeah. I don't know if, <clears throat> if I can... If I yes, can I, I do know what you mean, because on the trailer, she's doing the hand-over-hand thing. Right. Or maybe even with one hand, you know, that yeah. sort of thing, to go along this ladder that's upside down. But yes, you're right. It probably looks in a still as if she's carrying the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, she's lifting yeah. the whole thing up in the air. Yeah, well. Just gosh. with one arm, because, you know, the other arm, she's well, flexing yeah, her guns. Exactly. And, you know, it's... Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it looks like it's it's fun. It'll do what it says on the tin. There's a bit in it where she's in a fight and then um, the guy, a guy says afterwards, did you just stab a, that guy in the eye with your gun? And, yeah, she kind of did. And so, yeah. <laughs> so, it's lots of kicking, hitting, and generally shooting the place up. The, the, but <clears> what <throat> distinguishes these movies, what makes some of these movies great is is sometimes just something... Well, it's, it's sometimes it's merely the performance. Yeah, the but script chemistry the story sometimes. might be rubbish, yep. but the performance might be good enough to actually make yeah. it memorable. Del- deliver a few memorable lines well, and you've got a bit of a classic, so I mean, we'll see. I yeah. often think, you know, the Steven Seagal classic, Under Siege. Oh, yeah. You know, really, I mean... That was a pretty good one, I remember, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, but on paper, on it paper, was just it another movie yeah. that was another thing where it was always well, oh, die hard on a boat. Actually, that was die hard on a boat. Yeah. I, I think it was classed as that, wasn't it? But it did pretty well. Yeah. Spawned a couple of sequels that I never got around I mean, to seeing. Not so. really because of Steven Seagal, but because no. of some of the others in it, not least Tommy Lee Jones, who gave a powerhouse performance yeah. as the villain in it. Very, in a way, he, he stole that as much as Alan Rickman stole die hard. Yeah. Uh, and... and you know, yeah, but, it's, but on paper, that could have just been any other straight-to-video yes, action it could. movie. Absolutely. And so who yeah. knows with this? This could be an awful lot better than this I'm thinking endure. it could be. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's that's Interceptor, and that is out uh, on Netflix on the 3rd of June. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Part three of the St. Orms Film Guide is when we look at a film that Howard Linsky, highly acclaimed local author and everybody's favourite, really. That's um, the fella. Yeah, <laughs> uh, where he chooses a film that he deems too good to be forgotten. And today's film goes back 32 years. Yeah, I saw it at the cinema. That makes me feel so old. But oh. um, it's The Field. Are you familiar with The Field? I'm not sure I am. This is why it's too good to be forgotten, you see. This right. It's good. So this is um, an Irish movie, drama film. And you will, if you're not familiar with the actual film, you'll be familiar with the names of the people involved in it. So it stars Richard Harris in okay. one, of his, one of his best roles. Um, John Hurt in a supporting role um, as, as a, uh, well, uh, a minor character, but what, certainly one who has um, some memorable scenes. Sean Bean plays Richard Harris's son. So this is the timeline. He's a young man in this. Uh, Brenda Fricker and Tom Berenger, who you might remember from Platoon. Yeah. And many other things, obviously, but Platoon in particular. So it's uh, directed by Jim Sheridan, who did My Left Foot and uh, In the Name of the Father. So it's his, probably his lesser known Irish mm. movie, but it's very, very good. Adapted from a 1965 play written by John B. Keane. And to give you the plot premise, it's set in the early 30s. Richard Harris plays a character called Bull McCabe. He's a big guy and quite scary. And um, he rents a field from uh, a woman who um, lives in a cottage not, not far away from the field. And he has turned this barren land, this rock, if you like, into a cultivated field that you can graze cattle on. And it's very important to him. It takes him ages to get this to work. Um, and she is a widow. And she decides that she's going to sell the field. Right? So he's thinking, well, obviously she's going to sell it to me. He's been saving up his pennies. He's going to buy the land. But she decides to sell it at a public auction. And what McCabe, what Bull McCabe doesn't realise is that um, his son, Sean Bean, you know, the, young, the young daft one, has been tormenting this woman, making her life miserable by you know, throwing stones at the house and dancing on the roof and generally causing mayhem. And that is why she's not just going to sell directly to him because she's been feels like she's been driven out in a way. So he thinks, well, regardless of what happened... I've got to keep this field. So he walks into the public auction. Well, prior to the auction, he walks into the pub and tells everybody no one's going to bid for that. And, you know, you don't have to tell, you don't have to spell out why. There's, a, there's an underlying threat there that if anybody else tries to buy that field, they're going to be in trouble. Uh, but a stranger comes to town. An American stranger, played by the aforementioned Tom Berenger, who needs the land because he wants to quarry the area and he wants to build roads, and he's you know new and modern and American and it's progress. And uh, there is obviously friction between the family and him. Uh, something's got to give. There is also a tragic backstory in that uh, 
one of his other sons committed suicide. Oh. And you find out why as the story progresses. And his wife hasn't spoken to him since the boy killed himself. Something like 18 years they've lived in silence together. Okay. I mean, some would joke that that was an improvement on some marriages, but, you know, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> no. Obviously, because my wife hears this. Well, well as soon as but. you said it was a, an Irish movie and it came out in 1990, I was about to say, was Brenda Fricker in it? Oh, yes. She yes. kind of didn't... She cornered the market in that yeah, area. Yeah. yeah, she was very good. Yeah. And, yeah. and also, I noticed in the cast as well, quite a way down the cast, but uh, Brendan Gleeson's in it. Oh, I did not realise that he was Plays in Plays Quarryman. I haven't seen it for a while, but, uh, yeah. I got it. I picked it up on DVD just recently. And I thought, oh, yes, when we talk about Too Good to Be Forgotten movies, this is really good. It got a lot of acclaim. Hmm. But I suppose, despite the cast and the director, it's probably thought of as of a kind of small movie because the story is quite parochial. Yeah. But it's pretty dramatic, you know. Well, I'm just looking it up here, and um, it got nominated for an Oscar. Uh, yeah, Richard Harris got nominated for Best Actor. Honestly, one of his best performances. Yeah. He's um, really good in it. John Hurt got nominated for Best Supporting um, Actor at the BAFTAs. Right. And, it got, <clears throat> and also Richard Harris got nominated for a Golden Globe for it. So it goes to show as well that sometimes films that do very well in the Oscars yep. and get lots of nominations and things within a couple of years you'll forget all about them that's true and I think box office wise I'm guessing that a lot didn't turn out for it because it's not a commercial story that's going to attract a very wide audience but if you like a well written movie and a well acted film with reasonably serious themes that isn't too dark there's a little bit of humour in there as well hmm. then, then check this one out it's a really good movie yeah. Okay. So, that's so uh, that's the field. Um, Richard Harris was also doing some pretty good stuff around this time. I mean, he did this within yeah. a few years of, of he did um, Patriot Games as well, also with Sean Bean. Um, yeah. They were both in that. I think that was about ninety two. He's a couple of years after this, and he did um, Unforgiven. Well, he, he's one of those actors. Oh, he was great in Unforgiven, and I, I'd be, I mean, he was great since the mid sixties with his sporting life, and uh, you know, he's done a heap of good movies. A mm. very good actor, and like a lot of British actors, completely. Um, all of that completely overshadowed by the fact that he was in Harry Potter and played Dumbledore for a couple of movies. So literally when he died, the, I think it was the Express around the headline, Dumbledore is dead. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not just, you know, not no. just Dumbledore, no. he's done heaps of things. He, he, he did uh, MacArthur Park. Oh you gosh, know. yes. I'm not very fond of that song, I have to say. Are you the not? One. The cake being left out <laughs> in the rain. What's that all about? <laughs> it's a remarkable song. Uh, I'm in the minority, I know it sold lots of copies, but someone left a cake out in the rain. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a bit and of a silly song. I don't think I can song. take it because no. it took lot, so long to bake it. Yeah. Was, yeah. But it's, I mean, he didn't write it, but he didn't half perform it. <laughs> he belted it out, didn't yeah. he? He also belted it out in Camelot. He was in Camelot as well. Him oh, and Richard okay. Burton did uh, did that. Uh, you know, that's that thing that actors do where they can sing really well as well. It's it, so. <clears throat> But it must be annoying, you know, Richard Harris, if he would be, would be perhaps spinning in his grave to think he was remembered for Dumbledore yeah. and also a bit of a legendary drinker. Yes. You know. Well, there's a great, uh, a great story which I can kind of back up. I didn't actually meet him, but I saw him in a pub in London in the Strand, the Coal Hall, this was, back in the 90s. What happened to him was he, he was one of those like, cadre of actors that just drank themselves to death. And fortunately, he decided to stop before he did that. But the, that, that generation of actors, they all seemed to romanticise being a drunk. And he was a bad drunk. And he got to the mid-80s and he threw a party and uh, put two really fine bottles of red wine to one side and said, no one touch that, that's mine. You can drink the rest of the house dry. And then he drank those two bottles of red wine. And then he said, that's me, I'm not drinking again. And everybody went, oh, come on, no chance. You've been drinking yourself daft for years. But he, he kept to that. And that lasted a good 20-odd years where he didn't really drink. And then um, I again saw him because he suddenly um, decided, actually, yeah, no, I'd like a drink again. But he didn't drink stupidly. He just had a pint or two. Okay. And he used to live in the Savoy. And he'd pop into the Coal Hall pub, drink Guinness, and um, chat with fellow Irish rugby fans. So I saw him there with an Irish jersey on once and a pint. I thought, ah, maybe I should say hello. And then I thought that could end badly, so I didn't. But there we are. <laughs> is he not a fan of acclaimed local author, Howard Lindsay? Apparently not. He Was didn't recognise me at all. No. Well, so I'd not published at that point, obviously. Well, know. the shame of it. But he didn't see the talent before him <laughs> across a crowded pub. Yeah. Anyway. But it's a- Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. 
To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. We reach that point in the show where we look at Howard Linsky's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. We'll start off with uh, with the choices made for Friday the 3rd of June uh, on Great Movies Classics at 7.35pm, The Misfits. Yeah, this is an old one. Yeah, it dates back to 1961. Um, and it's it's famous, really, for the people involved in it and what happened to them afterwards, I suppose, more so than the actual movie. Um, it's written by Arthur Miller, as in the famous playwright Arthur Miller, uh, classed as a, a modern American Western, I guess. Directed by John Huston and the cast, Clark Gable, Marilyn Monroe and Montgomery Clift. And it's famous for being Clark Gable's last movie, uh, Marilyn Monroe's last movie, and Montgomery Clift didn't last much longer after it, about five years after it. So the movie's considered, in that weird Hollywood way, a bit cursed. Okay. But that's not why I've obviously selected it. And um, wasn't Marilyn Monroe married to Arthur Yes, Miller? she was, yeah. Yeah, yeah indeed she was. Um, but yeah, this was her last movie. Yeah, so it was very sad. But um, uh, it also has Eli Wallach in it as part of the supporting cast, and he's just fabulous. Tuco from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and yeah. many other things. But it was adapted um, by Miller himself from his own short story, apparently, that was published in Esquire magazine. Um, and uh, the plot centers on a, a newly divorced woman, played by Marilyn Monroe, and she goes off to uh, northern Nevada in Reno, to um, start her life again and she bumps into or meets however uh, you describe it uh, an old school cowboy played by Gable Um, and she also then later uh, meets a younger rodeo riding um, more rebellious chap played by Montgomery Cliff now I think a lot of people have forgot about Montgomery Cliff but he was a bit of a James Dean type persona he's a very method actor and his career was hampered by um, illness because he was involved in a bad car crash so he ended up doing more supporting roles because it was easier for him to do those roles than if he was playing the lead. Um, but he's one of those one of those guys that you could probably file him in too good to be forgotten, really, because he doesn't get an awful lot of mentions in Hollywood history these days. But um, yeah, it's quite a thought-provoking movie. I haven't seen it in a very long time. But when I saw it, it popped up on Great Movies Classics. I thought it was worth a mention, um, particularly on a day where it was... Um, filled with repeats that we've mentioned before mm. so check this one out if you'd like something a bit different um, and it's considered one of the, the you know one of those movies people look back on and think uh, fondly of it and sense that it was actually quality filmmaking okay uh, I was slightly thrown by your description of it but but uh, I think I've got I think I've answered my own potential question but I'll mention it anyway it, it seemed like you were talking about it being it sounded like a western oh modern day western yeah right That's, that was uh, what I uh, said because um, they, they call it a Western in the sense that there's a bit of Western mythology about it. And I think Gable's character well, is you, a bit of a throwback. You and, and so and then, But then I saw that yeah. it said something about his tow truck. And then it said about um, Eli Wallach flying a plane. And I'm thinking... That, oh, gosh, yes. You would think that... I suppose particularly with Eli Wallach in it, you'd be thinking about shoot, shootouts and what have you. But because it's a Miller, Arthur Miller thing, it's a, a yeah. different level no, I was of... I uh, by Cowboy yeah. was what threw me. So, no, this was, yeah. this was a modern-day... Um, thing. Um, yeah, well, we still have cowboys today, just not very many of them. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. quite. Um, yeah, no, I was just trying to trying to place. But yes, it. I should have. I should have probably placed it more in no, its no, context. No, no, no. You know, because um, you'd have been thinking of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and uh, <laughs> fistful of dollars and that well, kind of thing with Eli in it. Yeah, but he he was a pretty serious um, method actor too, and uh, his like, people tend to think of his career as like westerns and uh, you know gang- appearances in the Godfather Part Three and things like that. But he he was. Uh, a big theatrical name as well. Yeah, um, and he um, he didn't he didn't die that long ago. Uh, it's something oh, that no, quite surprised no. me because he was in yeah. he was in a couple of episodes of ER. Um, I think he was in his nineties when he died, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah, he'd been yeah. For a long while. He was ninety eight. I mean, he played the the old man in The Godfather Three, which has got to be thirty years ago. Yeah. Uh, so that's putting it in context that uh, he was playing the guy who was. Uh, in the yeah. autumn of his years, even then. Yeah, he he was ninety eight when he died uh, in wow. twenty fourteen. Wow. Um, so yeah, uh, that's Elo Wallach there. But that's that's uh, the movie that Howard is suggesting for Friday the third of June. If you're all sort of jubileed out and you you want something that's not a jubilee related thing, then then check that out. Seven thirty five p.m. on Great Movie Classics at the Misfits. 
Uh, not to be confused with uh, a film that's out, uh, I think it's out recently, called The Misfits, with Piers Brosnan and Gary Oldman. But a different oh, film, same title. I must have missed that one completely. Yeah. I think a lot of people did. Did they? Was it one of those straight to... It was so good, they didn't yeah. bother bother the cinemas with yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, too good to release in the cinema. Yeah. Just put it straight into that, some streaming That's another service. feature right there, isn't it? Too good to be released in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we should dig out some special... Uh, commendation award like a raspberry award yeah. for something that's too good yeah. to be in a cinema there you go but anyway let's move on to Saturday the 4th of June uh, and we have 10.50pm uh, on BBC One Darkest Hour yes yeah, a much more recent movie from 2017 that I think more people will be aware of um, class is a war drama film but really it's a study of character as much as anything of Winston Churchill um, and he's played by Gary Oldman and uh, very well played by Gary Oldman in this and it's really covering the early period of the Second World War where <coughs> Churchill had to stand firm not just against uh, Hitler and uh, the Nazis in general but also people who wanted him to just come to a compromise and uh, you know like well we've you know Hitler's got France and there's not much we can do about it and uh, let's just make a deal uh, and he didn't back down, as we know, and the, and the rest is literally history. So um, it just follows him in a particularly turbulent and difficult time. And uh, it's got a good supporting cast. Kristen Scott Thomas as his wife, Clementine. Or oh, is it Clementine? I'm not sure. Lily James plays the uh, the, the sort of PA, long-suffering admin person. Of, <laughs> Love interest, I thought you were going to say. Yeah, yeah that would be creepy, wouldn't it? Yeah, they've, yeah, ch- they've yeah. changed it a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, they did something similar with that Operation Mincemeat, didn't they? They manufactured love interest in that one, but that's yeah. another story. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's a Well, this movie. is the film that, that Gary Oldman won the Oscar for, for, for playing Churchill. Yeah, um, that's correct. And, uh, and yeah, and, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, got a, it's got a cracking cast as well, as you just mentioned there. Lily James, who I very much enjoyed recently in Pam and Tommy, if you saw that. Ah, about right, yeah. You'd quite like it. Would I? Yeah. Is it really good? Is it well written? Yeah, yeah. That's the most important thing for me being an author as you know absolutely um, any other attributes it has I will um, you know <laughs> consider separately but uh, yeah but she's really good isn't she Lily yeah. James I think she's very good yeah. yeah but but this is a, a bit of a who's who of of, of you know fine British actors as yep. well um, you know you, you mentioned there Kristen Scott Thomas you've got yep. Ben Mendelsohn Ronald Pickup uh, Stephen Delane yes um, Samuel <clears throat> West uh, yeah there's there's an awful lot of, uh, of of faces there that would be well known I think movies involving that time and also with Churchill at the, the, the centre of the orbit do tend to attract good supporting roles as well and uh, if you get someone who can pull off a really good performance as Churchill and there have been numerous over the years um, you can really see why he did inspire people you mm. know, and he got them through well the darkest hour obviously yeah. there's, a, there's a clue in the title with that one Cause very good didn't um, oh my, John Lithgow did he play Churchill on the crown or have I just made that up? Oh, I don't know, because I've only seen little bits of The Crown, I'm afraid. So. Um, I'm now going to have to look that up. I was going to say, yes, I'll, I'll stall. Because I think I'll ra- stall while you Google it. <laughs> rather, so rather interestingly, I think he, he you know, they got, had a non-English person playing him. Ah. You see, that well, was... You've, you've nailed your reputation the master, because I, I can't tell you, I'm afraid. No, he played, did... he played Winston Churchill. Yay, good. Thank, that's a relief. Yeah. You know, otherwise, we'd have to do some serious editing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can't imagine it well, was uh, What that Churchill. wee business? <coughs> you've not yeah. turned up once yet for an editing I, session. I, I'll be there, and I'll be metaphorically with you, yeah. supporting you, holding yeah. your jacket while you edit. Yeah. If I tried to edit, it'd be like using a chainsaw. I wouldn't know what I was doing, I'm afraid. Uh, you'd, be, you'd be like a surgeon's scalpel, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, Darkest Hour, 10.50pm, <coughs> BBC One, on Saturday the 4th of June. I guess that is kind of a jubilee kind of, you know, it, it, is it, actually, it isn't takes it? you back, yeah. doesn't it, to a you know, <coughs> yes. different era when, when we were proud to be British and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But anyway, sticking with that kind of era, yes. really, we, we move yeah. into, it's not like you to like a World War II I know, movie. I, do, I can't tell you how desperately I try and avoid just picking war movies, but uh, and I managed to do it mostly. Yeah. As you can see, I have an eclectic mix this time, but this particular day... Sunday 5th of June, Midway did stick out a little bit. Okay, um, so this is 9pm on <coughs> Channel 4, Sunday the 5th of June. The film is Midway, tell yes, us more. now, this, this could, be, could have been America's Darkest Hour, but it proved to be the opposite. So Midway was one of those big, decisive moments in the Second World War. Things like D-Day and Stalingrad and the Battle of Britain, Midway was America's sea battle against the Japanese. So following on from Pearl Harbour, um, the, <coughs> the, the Japanese forces wanted to destroy... <clears throat> excuse me, the US Navy. And there was a lot of uh, tactical toing and froing about where the battle was going to be fought. And as usual, intercepted um, intelligence helped. And one side was trying to ambush the other. And it was the first battle that had been fought with two navies that didn't see each other. 
so they had aircraft carriers and the, the, the attacking was done by the planes but obviously the aircraft carriers were so far apart that they were launching against each other without actually seeing each other so it was a fascinating little tussle well a very big tussle um, that ended decisively and um now, one of the things that put me off with this movie, yeah. but you might well <coughs> be correcting you me about now, yeah, yeah. is that, that, so this is, you know, big, big Hollywood movie yeah. all about um, a World War II battle yes. directed by the bloke who did um, Independence yes. Day and Godzilla I, right. and the day I, after tomorrow. So I, I, felt, I thought, oh, this is going to be rubbish. Then. I felt exactly the same way. You know why? Uh, so same only, reason. only from the historical perspective, I yes. thought it'd be rubbish. I thought oh, it might well, be a great, sp- <coughs> like Pearl Harbor. I don't Pearl think Harbor, historians... I yeah, really I don't think historians point <coughs> to Pearl Harbor if no. you wanted to learn about what happened at Pearl Harbor. No, Pearl Harbor was critically a mess. Uh, you know, people hated it, and I didn't like it either. And I, exactly the same as you, I thought, oh, this yeah, Emmerich is doing Battle of Midway. So I avoided it for a while, and then, you know, I had a little look. I saw the trailer. I thought the trailer was really quite good. And it was, thankfully, um, didn't have that stuff where you get one or two people being all heroic and I'll be back, you know, yeah. wait for me, darling. And, uh, you know, it was very real and it was, it turned out to be um, a passion project for him, uh, Emmerich, and he had to raise the money for it. And um, he had this budget of a hundred million and it's turned out, it's actually, it's Hollywood, yes, but it's an independent film. Okay. It's one of the most expensive independent films of all time. And thankfully, I believe it clawed its money back. Well, um, what, how much they spent on marketing, I don't know, but it is a really good telling of of a fascinating tale. The battle was amazing. But um, I feel like I stand corrected then because you, you well, have dispelled my I had my to correct myself of it. I had to correct myself and give it another chance because I avoided it first time around. I didn't okay. go to the cinema to see it. Now again, <coughs> some great names in here as well. Um, yep. You've got Patrick Wilson, Woody Harrelson, um, yep. Dennis Quaid's in there. He's Aaron really good at it. Eckhart, <coughs> um, a Jonas brother that might mean something to young to younger people as well. Yes, our younger listeners, yeah. <laughs> if there are any. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Beryl's the younger one. Yeah, he needs the older one. That's how. That's how I remember that. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, so that's midway. Uh, so a, gr- a great epic, I guess. Because yes, I, I didn't mean is. to be dismissive of Roman, Roland Emmerich's movies. I've enjoyed his other ones. I enjoyed. Yeah, but you would in Godzilla and like me. You would probably think he's going to Hollywoodize this. He's going to romanticize it. It's going. Yeah. But no, it's it's really quite tragic in parts. It's gritty. It shows a lot about what was at stake. The odds were incredibly high on this. Mm. Spoiler alert, the Americans eventually prevailed because they did in the war. But this was the defining battle against the Japanese. And from then on in, the road was open, or the sea was open, for them to encroach on Japan. Okay. Could have gone the other way. So that's Midway, uh, which is 9pm Channel 4 on Sunday the 5th of June. Uh, sticking with Woody Harrelson there, so two on the trot from him, because on Monday the 6th of June, uh, we've got 9pm on Great Movies, Friends with Benefits. Yeah, Woody's in a lot of movies, isn't he? Yeah. He's done an awful lot of stuff, quite often supported. I don't know how roles. much of it he's remembered. Well, good point. Because yeah, yeah. he, he does enjoy the hemp, I believe he, he is does. the way of putting he that. He does, yeah, so he might, he might forget he's in it, who knows. But um, the, I've gone for a comedy, very aware that I just keep picking war movies. Um, Friends with Benefits. Was it set during the war? Not really, not really. It's not. There's no war link. You'd be pleased to know. Um, this is contemporary for its time, which is 2011, and I remember seeing it not long after. I think it came out on DVD, and I watched it on a holiday. And uh, you know, what did, da- did your daughter choose it? Not ten years ago, mate. She'd have been what five. Well, so you know, quite... I did the maths there quickly in my head, but she'd have been five. So. <laughs> well done. So the the one about you know um, two people who decide to become friends with benefits probably not very appropriate for a five year old, but you know, maybe now I'll let her watch it. But anyway, it is good. It's got uh, partly because the chemistry between the leads, um, Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake, who I rather like what you said about Emmerich being the director of that midway. When, when I first heard Justin Timberlake was going to do movies, I was like, really. But he's very good at the stuff that he does. When I, I saw him in The Social Network, I was blown he's away by his that, talent. He? He's yeah. such a good actor. He is, he is. So if it doesn't work out with the music, you know, he's got something to fall back on. Yeah. And vice versa. And and <clears throat> um, and as for Mila Kunis, I saw her in Bad Mums, which oh, yes. I yeah, went to because funny. a friend of mine yeah. wanted to go and see it. And yeah. it was her choice to choose the movie. And I thought... Oh, yeah. I don't really want to see this, and and to be fair, the experience was a bit surreal because it really felt like I spent like two hours in the cinema, sat in the middle of a hen party, and I was. I think there were. <laughs> I looked around. I think there might have been one other bloke in the whole cinema. Yeah, uh, but it was actually quite a good movie. I it did is. quite enjoy it. It was quite funny. And I think she she's really funny good. and watchable. You know, yeah. not just a pretty face, as they say. And she's got talent. So, and um, the supporting cast in this, um, as well as Woody Harrelson, there's one or two people who weren't as big as they are now in it. Uh, you know, supporting the cast, and you've got. Emma Stone, you've got Andy Samberg, who's the Brooklyn Nine-Nine guy, and you've got Jason Segel. 
So there's a few <coughs> bigger names there that uh, that weren't big back then. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean. I... Anyway, sorry, I didn't tell you much about the plot. Yeah, yeah. What's it about? <coughs> so we should mention that really. It is classed as a rom com, but it's quite a cynical rom com because it starts out with these two people who meet um, because they're one of them is recruiting the other. Mila Kunis is recruiting the other to work on a magazine. And they become friends, <clears throat> but they both are a bit disillusioned with romance. And then they have the discussion about, well, why should anyone have to get involved with anyone just have sex? You know, why, why can't they just have sex together? And they agree to try that. And initially, it kind of works. And of course, complications ensue. Feelings get a bit hurt. Um, there is a parting of the ways. And, you know, guy meets girl, guy loses girl, and guy gets girl again is kind of the theme. Or you could argue girl meets guy. Uh, girl loses guy, girl gets guy again, um, if we want to keep it on an equal footing, because they have equal billing in this. And uh, the chemistry between them is really good, and it's fun. Okay. And, uh, I mean, it's, hard, it's hardly original um, ground. Uh, there's, there was a film <clears throat> that came out, I think, around about the same time, um, called No Strings Attached, with Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman, that sounded like yeah, it, it kind I of covered similar ground. I haven't seen that one. But uh, but this was but, certainly the bigger one from that right. time because I mean this is a sort of thing that oh, we've said this before Hollywood does this. Yes, they that, bring out a couple of movies, same theme, yeah, same yeah, year. yeah, and 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 <clears> you <throat> know it's the race to get their one out first, yeah. and and yeah. But and I think society moves in certain ways. So I can imagine somebody sitting in a room with a bunch of writers going, "Let's do a movie about some people who don't want to get involved with each other because you're allowed to do that in 2011, but then they actually do get it. You know, they do fall for one another and. Um, but this is quite, it's fun, it's charming, there's some good lines in it. Well, um, as we said earlier about action movies, where sometimes that, you know, on paper they're a bit rubbish, but, but the casting and the performances could actually elevate it. I, I, I imagine it would be the same with something like this. A, I'm sure the script, I haven't seen it in a while, I'm sure the script is good, but you're right, that when you get good actors like this, who, uh, you know, clearly get on well on screen, it, uh, it elevates it. Mm. Okay, that's uh, Friends with Benefits, which is Howard's uh, recommendation for Monday the 6th of June. Not to go and find one, but to watch the movie. That's his recommendation. Well, either way, I mean, if you don't want to watch the movie, go and find a Friends with Benefits. I hope your wife's not listening, Howard. I wasn't wasn't recommending it for myself, darling. Uh, I'm I'm not talking to you now. (laughs) My wife won't bother to listen to this podcast. I'm on it, Craig. There you go. Um, Maybe one of the other weeks when somebody better's on it. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Monday the 6th of June, 9pm on Great Movies, Friends with Benefits. Let's move to Tuesday the 7th of June. We mentioned Justin Timberlake just Isn't then. And, weird? And his performance. Oh, and, 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 there you go. You know, I can't say it's because I read ahead, because I rarely do. No, but but exactly. no, you've gone and picked The Social Network. Now, I it's see. on at 1.10am, so the wee small hours are Wednesday morning, but it's a, yeah, a Tuesday we, we, movie. We, we were allowed, aren't we, in the early hours, we well, call that. It's just so, for clarity, yeah. so people don't turn up a day early Absolutely. and wonder where it is. Yeah. But it's on great movies as well, and it's The <coughs> Social Network. Yeah, so this is a story that, I mean, a lot of people would be aware of it, but it's the story of um, Mark Zuckerberg and how he sets up Facebook. But it dates back to when, um, what well, he's at college, and it's it's not a kind portrayal of him, put it that way. Um, he, he was classed as a bit of a misfit, I think, um, at Harvard, which he eventually dropped out of. And it follows the story of um, Zuckerberg, played by Jesse Eisenberg, um, and he's at uh, Harvard, and he splits up with his girlfriend at the beginning of the film, and she really gives it to him about, um, you know, why. And then he... Uh, it's based on the true thing that he set up where he called a thing he created a thing called face mash and he stole photos of female students from harvard i mean that would get you expelled these days quite rightly but back then he sort of just uh, got away with it he put them all up on a site and he got the misogynistic blokes at harvard to rate them on their appearance on their attractiveness so yeah way to go mark not very pleasant at all anyway um Harvard sort of let him off, even though the computer crashed and the whole network went down because it was oversubscribed. <clears throat> Two twins, um, Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, uh, decide that he's the right guy to help them set up a social network just for Harvard students. And they want to pay him to do that. But he goes off and does his own thing. And he creates Facebook um, alongside a character played by Andrew Garfield, um, Edward, Eduardo Saverin. And uh, that causes a huge row because he creates Facebook. They say, you stole my idea. He says, well, that wasn't your idea. Your idea was something else. And that eventually dragged on for years, and he had to pay them um, to settle. He then meets um, the character that uh, Justin Timberlake plays, Mm. who has already been out there 
Sean Parker, he's already done... Um, it was I Napster, pa- wasn't Napster, it? Napster, yeah, and he ended up in peer- involved with PayPal as well, I think. Oh, okay. At some point. But Napster was the thing that he did that, that made his Which money. Which is the first sort of uh, MP3 music sharing. Yeah, when it was all thing. for free. and he, yeah, well, well, yeah. When it was all illegal, I think. Was, and exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think at that point you couldn't... You couldn't say it was illegal because there was no law that covered it as such. You know, um, so there was a lot of... Well, they uh, found a way of legalising it. And, yes, and it, did, then yeah. you could then pay to have a Napster account. <clears> exactly. So so he comes on board and Andrew Garfield's character gets squeezed out. And it just follows that journey of Facebook starting out with this, effectively, a nerd at Harvard yeah. creating something and then becoming this huge thing that we all know. Uh, whether we all love it or not is a different matter, yeah. but and, and it's and, huge. You know, it, it did... It, the film did ever so well. I love, by the way, the fact you kept referring to it as Facebook, whereas for most of the movie, they called it The Facebook. Oh, and yes, then near the that. end of the movie, there's a throwaway line from someone saying, drop, drop the word drop there. there. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes, mm, maybe. Yeah. Somewhere there's a guy singing in a bar going, I'm the guy that told them to drop the, you know. Well, I can't really? remember if yeah. it was Justin Timberlake's character, but it was certainly it was a thing toward the end of the movie. So up until that point, it was bugging me slightly. They kept calling it The Facebook because I thought, oh. no one calls it that. I loved the bit where... Um, uh, his character, uh, Tim Blake's character, looks like he's kind of in the ascendancy because they get rid of everybody else that was ever involved in it and uh, manoeuvre them out of the way. And then he completely blows it by being busted by the police at a party involving girls and cocaine. And he has to step down as whatever <laughs> role he had at this point. Chairman, I guess, something yeah. along those lines. Or whatever they call it in America. Okay. But yeah, it's a good movie. So it did very well at the Oscars. It, it yeah. got nominated for one, two, three, four, five, six, for eight Oscars, winning three of them. It won for Aaron Sorkin from the West Wing. Yeah, who wrote this. I was just going to say his snappy dialogue that he's yeah. well known for was really uh, on show here, and it's directed by David Fincher. Yeah, so, none, none, none less than We'll him. come back to that because I wanted to also mention about the music because the music was by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who are from Nine Inch Nails. Oh, I did not know that. And yeah. uh, and I don't know if they've done much other sort of musical scores since or anything, but but certainly they won an Oscar for that. Oh wow! But yeah, they were they were known. Um, uh, Trent, Trent sorry, Trent Reznor was Nine Inch Nails. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about um, Atticus uh, Ross. But uh, but certainly, yeah, the, the, the music did very well. And um, yeah, Atticus Ross had done other film scores as well oh, before right. that. Um, but, but yes, now David Fincher, David Fincher's movies are normally very different from this. Oh, completely, yeah, yeah. Um, they're a lot darker usually, aren't they? And uh, not, not his kind of area at all. He, I, I'd forgotten he directed it, to be honest. I remember prior to sort of thinking, well, I, I really need to not get this wrong before I come on and do the podcast. I would have said, yeah, Sorkin wrote the dialogue. I remember that. He wrote the thing, and I, I probably would have guessed he directed it as well. Yes, but I would have thought that. It wasn't, and I thought, wow, it's David Fincher. Wow, yeah. So, so, so Not I mean, typical. Sorkin um, is also, I mean, there's two other movies that spring to mind that he did, three of the movies. He did The American President, which is interesting because it was just before the West Wing, but it had Martin Sheen in it, but playing the chief of staff, not the president. Oh, right. And, and, and that was very, <clears throat> very... Near to when the West Wing came out, when he when he made that, and then he also did a few good men. Yeah, that was really good. With, with, with <coughs> it's amazing dialogue, and he did, I believe, he did Frost Nixon. Uh, oh yeah, I like Frost Nixon. I didn't know he'd written that. Actually, I, I'd forgotten, but it's a good movie. Yeah, oh, but no. a few few good men. Uh, it's very good, and uh, you know who uh, who hasn't shouted, "You can't handle the truth" to someone. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, totally. It's a but, great way to but David deflect Fincher, an argument. D- you know, D- David Fincher's um, directing. You know, when he's done films like Seven, yeah. and he did Zodiac and Gone Girl. You know, these are kind Fight of dark. Club as well, didn't he do? Was, was that him? I might, might have mixed been. up. Um, I shouldn't just throw titles at you to then find out that I'm yeah. wrong. <laughs> Probably am. <laughs> keep me on my toes. I can't keep up with the looking up. I got to. I'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, Him or somebody else did that one anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I might have just made up Frost Nixon, by the way. That's oh, I did wonder about that. Yeah. He did, he may not have written that. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's. Um, you know, I thought Fincher had done Fight Club, but I might be wrong. Oh well. Uh, you know, I start. Don't worry. One of the thousands of listeners will contact us and tell us. Oh no, I'm, I'm just I'm just wrong. being told now in my earpiece that it was also David Fincher. Oh, thank heavens for that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you got that right, yeah. But uh, but no, the um, you know, the, the, the sort of movies, yeah, yeah including very Fight Club, yeah. So this is very yeah. very very different for completely, him. yeah. And uh, it was, but it's very watchable, so uh, worth tuning in for that one. Okay, but that's uh, um, yeah. It was Peter Morgan who wrote the the. Um, Oh yes, he wrote yeah, the crown Nixon. guy, and yeah. It, yeah, but and it's based on his and it's own based play. on his own play. Yes, exactly. Yeah, sorry, Peter Morgan for yeah, crediting it mind. with, with yeah. 
Um, we corrected the error. Call yeah. off the lawyers, Peter. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Back off, man. Yeah, Back come on. on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, the social network uh, is on uh, the, the wee small hours of Wednesday, the 8th of June, at 1 a.m. on Great Movies. Uh, moving to Wednesday night, uh, we have uh, at midnight. So yeah, I'm confusing you completely here with these timings, aren't I? I'm so yeah, sorry. So, so technically yeah. into Thursday morning. <laughs> yeah. but, but anyway, midnight, we have Goodbye Columbus on Talking Pictures. Yeah, this is a bit of a left field one that I selected. I haven't seen this in a long while, so if it hasn't aged well, I apologise. But I enjoyed it when I saw it, probably, oh, goodness knows how long ago, but it's a 1969 movie, and I caught it on TV probably 20 years later. Um, If you think of it as being a slightly more cerebral The Graduate, that's probably the kind of vibe we're getting here. Um, It's classed as a romantic comedy drama, uh, but it's, um, it's based on a novel by Philip Roth, and directed by Larry Pierce. Um, and it stars Richard Benjamin, who did do quite a few movies, but he's a bit forgotten, I think. Was he, he the did guy... Catch-22, for example, he was okay. in that. Was he the guy um, in um, Westworld? Yes, he was, yes. And alongside Ali McGraw. And this was the movie that kind of launched her, I think. Uh, now, I used Before to get Love her Story. and... Um, Catherine uh, Ross. Catherine Ross confused. Yeah. yeah. But both look similar and both good act- actresses. And yeah, I... I think I'm the same. I immediately knew who you were going to say there because <laughs> they do look a bit alike, um, but both very good. Yeah. And this one, you know, she's very young in it. She was, um, you could see the talent there from them both. There's quite good interaction. There's a few, I look at a few clips just to remind myself because I remember liking this. And um, there's a lot of witty dialogue between the two of them. They sort of bounce off each other a little bit. And basically it follows the story of a, a young guy um, who falls for a girl who's from a more affluent but new money uh, environment, so the family looked down on him a bit, uh, and they're not very happy that he's dating her. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it's just a, it's a bit like the graduate in that the most important thing is uh, the relationship between the male and female leads, you know, the, the, and the, the obstacles they have. And it's a little, oh no, dark is probably not the word, but a little bit more cerebral. I think I said earlier, didn't okay. I? You know, but yeah. well, worth a look again. And interesting to watch a movie like this because it's it's contemporary to 1969, so you see what America was like back then. You know, it's a very snapshot of that society, that time. Okay. You say you say about the graduate, but is there the same age difference in this? Or were you thinking more of the relationship with um... uh, no, sorry, no, I meant just it's just got that vibe about it really. It's not I don't mean so actually ironically Ali McGraw and Catherine Ross are the two yes. leads in that. But uh, but in, in the graduate he has this affair with Catherine Ross's mother and there's comedy in that as well as a certain amount of pathos. But mostly it's just awkward. Um, with Richard Benjamin and Ali McGraw, they're both the same age. And the obstacle for their relationship largely comes from her mother, but their family generally, as I recall. But I am recalling this from a distance of time. So so I was quite young when I saw this, and that's a long time ago. I noticed that, yeah. in fact, Ali McGraw is third build. Second build, Jack Klugman. Oh. Quincy, eh? Yeah, Quincy, yeah. yeah. I think he plays her, her father in this. Yeah, I believe you're right, memory. yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, now, Ali McGraw as well, given how... Bigger film star she was. Yeah, she was massive in the seventies. Only yeah. done fifty. Only got fifteen credits on IMDb, wow. and hasn't done anything since nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, and some of the things she did were pretty big. I mean, she did, was a Getaway. Yeah, the Getaway with Steve McQueen, well. who and she was we married to. Love Story, that was the big one that launched her. You know, made her very famous. Yeah, uh, but by the eighties, Convoy she was in with um, uh, yeah. uh, Chris Christopherson. But by the eighties, she was moving over to TV, and I don't know if that was an age thing or just well, who knows why. She wasn't... Um... But she only did five things on TV. Oh, oh okay. And, that's what's, and, and she hasn't yeah. done a thing since 1997. She's still around. Uh, yeah, but, but she, she um, Yeah, 1997 was her... She, basically, she did four things in the... She's lazy. She did four, <laughs> four things in the 90s. Or rich. And, uh, yeah, well, maybe. Um, and yet, maybe she doesn't need it. In, the, in or, the 80s, yeah, she was in Dynasty for a while. Maybe Hollywood just was not kind to women of a certain age, like it you know, is reputed that, to be. I that mean, is probably more that, likely that, to be the uh, case. You know, that horrible thing where a woman turns 40 and goes, well, I've had it now. I'm not going to be cast as a, as a lead anymore. I'm going to be the... You know, I'm going to be playing the 20-year-old's mother, even though that's not usual yeah. um, in life. No, uh, you, but, yeah. you, you could be right that that might so have been something to do with it. She might have just said, you know what, I'm sick of playing people's grandmas, yeah. you know, even though I'm 50 or whatever. Whereas yeah. um, Catherine Ross has got recent credits um, in uh, to her name in yeah. uh, uh, according to IMDb, although I don't really recall her doing much 
kind of beyond the 70s. No, I mean, Butch Cassidy, and she, was Stepford Wives? She was an athlete, yeah. but she, she's really good. Yeah, um, Donnie Darko she was in, oh, um, wow. and yeah, The Graduate, of course. She did, um, it does sound here as well, so um, the Ali McGraw was in Dynasty, uh, Catherine Ross was in The Colbys, which was the spin-off to wow. Dynasty, so they... they, they, they one of them obviously said, get me the other one, yeah. you know? <laughs> because I immediately knew who you meant when you said, when I think of Ali McGraw, I always think of that other, yeah. like, yeah, Catherine Ross, yeah. And also, do you know who um, Catherine Ross is married to? Oh, I should know this, and I can't... Oh. Is it the guy she appeared in the movie with who's still going strong, Sam? Sam Elliott. Yes, Sam yes, Elliott. They yes. Met, met when he wasn't very famous, and she was, I think. They were both but in But then Butch they got Cassidy. married years later. They were both yeah. in Butch Cassidy. But he I was in a very minor met. role. Yeah, and I'm not sure they and, actually uh, met. Yeah. But Because but, they weren't in the... They, he was only in one scene. You only see him yeah, from the that's back. That's it, yeah. And his voice was dubbed. That's right. And I think he's a fifth husband or something. Probably. Not that I'm stalking Catherine Ross. I should make that quite clear. You know. <laughs> or judging but, her. Or judging her, even. No, yeah. But no, I just read... I, I remember because we, we talked about The Graduate a few months ago and I thought oh, I'll just see if she's still around and acting and, yeah. and I remember reading it thinking wow five husbands blimey yeah he is her fifth husband but they have been married since 1984 so oh, that's fairly well she burned through the first four then didn't she <laughs> yeah, yeah. From, from sixty to seventy nine, she had four of them, and That's then from eighty four, she... well, it's not quite Joan Collins, is it? No, but I mean, four, husbands, Jar- Jar- in, four husbands in less than twenty years is quite impressive. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. fifth time lucky. Fifth time's a charm. Yeah, but but in thirty eight years, she's been married to one. So, wow, fair play to her. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. and him. Good luck to them, I say. Fifth time lucky. Yeah. Anyway, uh, goodbye, Columbus. Wednesday, the 8th of June, although technically into the week, small hours of Thursday morning, uh, midnight on Talking Pictures. Final film for the week, uh, Thursday night, 10 p.m. on BBC4, Judy. Judy, yes. So this is the one that René Zellweger won the Oscar for, and it's 2019, so it's not that long ago. It's only three years old, um, but on terrestrial telly. Um, and it's basically uh, the, the, telling you the later life and some of the early life of Judy Garland. And um, Jessie Buckland as well. Yes, Jessie Buckley as Buckley, well. yeah, she's really good in this as well. She's um, the long-suffering PR person who has to put up with Garland. So what happens in, at the beginning of the movie, it shows Garland down on a look a bit, hasn't got much money, trying to get a divorce from her husband, uh, wants to keep the kids. The only way to make any money at the age she's suddenly hit is to go over to the UK where she's still revered and loved and do some live cabaret. And so she gets booked to appear in this club every night for a period of time. But she's struggling because she's got horrible insomnia and she's taking a lot of pills. Now, I remember years ago hearing the story of Judy Garland and thinking, oh, that's awful. You know, she's child star, great singer, all this acclaim, threw it all away because of drugs, you know. But what they make quite clear, and I had read about this since, was that she was given pills from a very early age, uh, you know, diet pills, uh, pills to keep her awake, even as a kid, you know, and she got hooked on these pills and couldn't really get herself off them. And they severely hampered her ability to just leave a normal, lead a normal life. And, and that includes going on stage and singing. So <clears throat> she would also drink quite a lot and would be quite out of it. And sometimes she'd walk on and do a great performance. And sometimes she couldn't remember which way to face. I mean, it was as sad as that, really. And um, although that is a very sad story, the, the movie's worth a watch, I think. And it's possibly because Salvegan is a really good... Uh, job of getting that character across to us and what she really was on the inside, if you like, in her in her head, and it, and it is, it's good, it's well worth a watch. Okay, uh, that's Judy, uh, which uh, is Howard's final choice of the week. That's on 10 p.m. BBC Four Thursday, the 10th of June. If you had to choose one of those movies as your film of the week, Howard, yes. which one would it be? If I was absolutely forced to, I'd recommend Darkest Hour. For Oldman's performance alone. Oh, wow, because it's not like you to pick a war movie. I know. It's against type, isn't it? Can I? Could I really technically or even contractually pick a rom-com? I mean, there are a couple on the shortlist there, but... Uh, no. You know, it's bad for my image. It was always going to be uh, The Darkest Hour, and that is the choice. Uh, the ch- films that Howard has chosen um, f- to recommend uh, that are on TV, the list of those films is in the description of this episode right now, and you can also find it on our website, stalbanspodcast.com. Uh, next week, uh, Chris... Chris Aikman will be back uh, doing the film guide. Um, We're all off now to read one of Howard's books, but we'll see you again real soon. Bye-bye.